This is an AMI podcast. In late April of 2018, AMI was invited to join a group of journalists to observe Access Israel's sixth annual international conference on innovation and the future of accessibility. As a result, throughout the month of June in this time slot, AMI Audio is pleased to present four special half-hour programs which reveal some of the highlights of the conference and related activities. You'll hear from people behind social startups that have resulted in improving accessibility through technology, in creating meaningful employment, and in improving the lives of war veterans. My name is Andy Frank, and this is Access Israel, making the business case for accessibility and inclusion, and this episode is titled, Tech Meets the Body. Assistive devices, whether it's for vision, hearing, cognitive assistance, mobility, or otherwise, have come a long way over the past century. But much of what has been developed remains out of reach for people who may benefit from them, usually because of availability or cost. For example, what if you're a singer and piano player, but are unable to stand at a microphone or use the piano pedal? What if you're Ron Weinreich and a team of brilliant volunteer engineers offer to solve the problem? From every airplane as I gaze from up above, I remember you, my friend. As I lay in bed for hours beside my love, I remember you, my friend. Oh, I remember you, my friend. You gave me everything that matters in the end. And when my time will come to join you round that bend, Ronnie was one of 15 war veterans from France, the U.S., and Israel who were part of an event called Makers for Heroes, which took place in Tel Aviv in early May of 2018. Ronnie explains what that event is all about. What brings me here this evening is an incredible project called, um, an endeavor that's called Makers for Heroes, and um, it's uh, powered by an organization called Restart. And what we're doing here specifically is... Um, we're taking about, uh, we have 15 teams. In the center of each team is a, an injured veteran. And each one of these injured veterans has some kind of problem, some kind of need that they have in their life due to their disability that, uh, that they don't have a solution for these days in the world. And then what we're doing is that we're taking around, each one of these veterans, we're putting, um, they express this one need or this problem that they have, and we stick a bunch of engineers from all, you know, from the whole spectrum of, the, of industry here in Israel, meaning electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, industrial engineers, industrial designers, you know, everything, whatever you got. And we form a team around each veteran. And the game, name of the game is that within two days uh, from when we kick off this makeathon, this team will actually design and make a working prototype that will solve the problem for the veteran. Grani was injured in 2006 during Israel's war with Hezbollah in Lebanon. He was a tank commander, and a building collapsed on his tank, which crushed his spine. Ronnie now uses a wheelchair to get around. So for years, I've had this idea in my hand, in my head: how can how can a standing frame be constructed so that I can, you know, be at home? I can stand in like this frame, that I can bear weight on my bones, you know, like get, get myself in an upright position very easily, 
very affordably, um, and also to uh, have like kind of a frame that's foldable, collapsible, and like portable. And because um, similar things exist, but they're like these giant dinosaur type things. Every time for years and years, I thought every time I got in a standing frame, I said like, "There's got to be something else. Like, there's no way," and there isn't. So I told my team, uh, I have a team of engineers who are incredible. They're from a military optics firm. They make they make like high end. They, they make cameras on, you know, drones, military drones. And um, and I told them, let's make a standing frame that's like one click, plug and play, lightweight, less than five hundred dollars to make and portable, foldable, put it under, make it hide, that's it. And um, so that's what we're doing. So that's one thing. Less than five hundred dollars. Well, that's, that's what I told them. And then, you know, they're, they're going to fight me over it, but hopefully I'll win. <laughs> if they could do it for a thousand, I bet you you'd, you'd, you'd give in. Well, I would give in, but here, here's the thing, you know, it's, um, there's so many people, um, I could talk about this because it's you guys and you know this world, right? But, the whole standing frame thing is one of the biggest, I think, faults in the rehabilitation or, ac or accessibility uh, device world, where people just don't stand because, A, if there's this huge rhinoceros standing frame standing in their house that they don't want, or B, it just costs an insane amount of money and they don't want to spend that kind of money. So um, my real intention here was to create something that was in my mind for many years, but that will disrupt the market. Like I want something that people will be able to get for cheap and that's really usable, very available and accessible for them, and valuable, and to kind of stick it to all the big companies that think they can, you know, swindle all the people that can't stand. It's ridiculous. So hopefully they'll come out of Israel. So you said there were two things and that that was one. What, yeah. what is the other? That's one thing. The second thing is, um, so since my injury, I, I'm again a musician, I used to play piano very well. And over the last 11 years, my piano playing has deteriorated a lot because I can't use the piano pedal the way I want to. And um, so now I hire piano players, but um, that's always been something that I wanted to get back to. So my second team, we're going to be creating a, a device that will allow me to use a piano pedal so that I can get back to playing some piano. Later in today's broadcast, we'll check in with Ronnie to see how the three-day event turned out. Did the engineers, in fact, come through? The business case that Ronnie is making is one where assistive devices, such as the one he is hoping his engineers develop, come in at an affordable price, thereby making technology accessible to thousands of people around the world. Giddy Greenstein explains. So my name is Giddy Greenstein, and I'm the founder and president of the Reut Group. The Reut Group is an Israeli nonprofit that creates and scales innovative solutions for big social problems. Our biggest venture today is called Tom, Tikkun Olam Makers, and Tom is one of the partners of the event that is going on here. And what does Tom do? So Tom basically creates and scales extremely affordable solutions for neglected needs of people with disabilities, elderly and generally speaking, just disempowered communities. So what we do is we identify needs of people with disabilities that are neglected in the sense that they are unlikely to have a market solution or a government solution. Around these needs, we build teams of engineers, of programmers, of product designers who volunteer their skills, sign off their intellectual property, and create a specific solution to the specific problem that has to be extremely affordable. 
So it's anywhere from a robotic arm that should cost 5 to 10% of the equivalent market uh, price to needs of communication for people with autistic syndromes or, or uh, uh, all sorts of mechanisms, all sorts of tools that allow people to access technology. The beauty of Tom is that everybody signs off their intellectual property to the public domain, which basically means that if I solve your problem, I potentially solve everybody else's problem around the world that is similar to yours. And our vision is to ultimately help 250 million people within a decade. And we're going to do that by creating this online repository of digital products, products that are documented digitally, available for free for anybody that would use them. And this product would be produced in makerspaces, such as the one we're in here, that is here. And these makerspaces are going to make these products accessible to everybody that lives around them. So basically, we are imagining thousands of distribution points through makerspaces around the world. Giddy goes on to describe the unique space in Tel Aviv where this event is taking place. Another thing that we did is we built this makerspace, Impact Labs, that is the host of this event of Restart, of Makers for Heroes. And our vision was that this location will become a national and global center for innovation in assistive technologies. And that's what we would like to see. And this is why this event is so perfect for our vision. Our vision is to inspire and support a global movement of Tom communities. So today there is a Tom community in Melbourne, Tom Melbourne, Tom Vietnam, Tom Kazakhstan, Tom Israel, and in other places around the world. Every community does its work locally, but everybody feeds into a global web platform, and also everybody can benefit from anything that was created by all other communities. So basically, we're creating a whole that is much bigger than the sum of its parts. And it's all done in an atmosphere of friendly but fierce competition, sometimes going around the clock for 72 hours. The competition here is a tool to help people try to excel in the process that will be unfolding here over the next three days. So basically what we're asking people is to come forward with their skills, to contribute their skills, to contribute their time, to contribute their intellectual property, to place everything they create in the public domain. So we're creating all sorts of incentives for them to do that. For some, it's enough to do good element, but others are also very competitive. That's Giddy Greenstein talking about the Makers for Heroes event that took place in early May 2018 and to which we were exposed by Access Israel as part of our tour of activities that relate to their mission. Earlier, you met Ron Weinreich, the Israeli-American war veteran who was injured in Lebanon in 2006 and is hoping to benefit from a device that can help him stand at the microphone while he sings and that can help him play piano again. We caught up with Ron in Los Angeles this week. Makers for Heroes was a huge success. All the projects were just beyond spectacular, really mind-blowing, what was accomplished in those two and a half days. In terms of my projects, I had two projects that I was working on. One was a standing frame that allows somebody uh, who doesn't have the ability to stand on their own. It's kind of like an aluminum frame that someone like myself, a wheelchair user, could just kind of roll up to it and really easily strap myself in and uh, we really, like, mission accomplished on that one. We, in two days, uh, the engineering team that I had of incredible engineers, um, we made the standing frame happen, uh, and we presented it in front of everyone. And it was, uh, and we even won, uh, you know, we, we were one of the top three projects 
So that was really great. And uh, I, you know, I wrapped it up at the end of the event and uh, brought it back to, to Los Angeles with me. So I have it here, and it's something that uh, I use. And, uh, and we're looking forward, and you know, just mind you that what we created there in two and a half, in two and a half days was something that, um, you know, it's like a crude prototype. And so we're really looking forward to taking it to the next level and refining it even, you know, even further so that it can really be something that is, that, that can bring value to like lots of people all over the world. And it's really great because it's super lightweight, super easy to use, cheap to manufacture and, um, and benefits are enormous out of it. So that was a great success. And the other project was a, uh, was we took a, you know, it was actually giving me the ability once again to use the foot pedal for um, an electric keyboard. I'm a musician by profession. I'm an artist, and uh, I've, I've neglected my piano playing skills ever since I was injured because of my, you know, the problem that I have in actually pushing down on the piano pedal with my foot. So um, uh, what we were able to do is that we uh, I had another team of two electrical engineers that, you know, we had to play around with different methodologies. But at the end of it, what happened, what we ended up doing was um, taking a very, very, very small and thin pressure sensor. And that connects wirelessly. The pressure sensor connects wirelessly to the keyboard, to the, to the electric keyboard. And... Um, and so I'm able to actually like step on the pedal by just you know, pushing down with my toes and that activates the keyboard as if I was stepping on the pedal. To learn more about Ron and to hear some of his wonderful music, go to RonnieW.com. And to learn more about Tom and Makers for Heroes, please visit TomGlobal.org. My name is Andy Frank, and this is Access Israel, making the business case for accessibility and inclusion, and this episode is titled, Tech Meets the Body. In a previous episode, we played you some technology speed dating clips, where startup firms gave us their best elevator pitches for various apps relating to accessibility and inclusion. We saved one of those pitches for this episode, where tech meets the body. It is called Six Degrees. Here is Ari Katz, an electrical engineer, and Miri Berger, an industrial engineer. So, we're from Six Degrees. Uh, we've created a wearable band targeted for people who've lost the use of their hands because of paralysis, stroke, injury, uh, things like amputation, Parkinson's, uh, paralysis due to stroke, cerebral palsy, and many more. So if you've lost use of your hands but you still have motion in your arm, we created a band that sits on your upper arm like a watch connects via Bluetooth to your phone, your computer, your tablet, and lets you control those devices, no program, no program installed, uh, just by the motion of your arm. So you'll connect, you move right, you'll see a cursor, move right, right, left, up, down, up. And demonstrate, you can, you can click, you can write, you can do everything you do with your finger on a touchpad or your hand on a mouse. This wearable device has a very unique feature. Katz explains... The wearable device starts learning about the user. So it's not just like a, a regular wearable device. You put it on, it starts listening to the user. So if you have tremors due to Parkinson's disease, it kind of understands what those tremors are when you're, um, when you're at rest and when you're trying to do something. And it filters it, just like noise filtration. If you have paralysis due to a stroke or an injury, it'll understand what, the, uh, what your parameters are and kind of give you full range with that. 
and um, that's how we kind of created something that will adapt and learn about the user. So this guy's been on me for quite a while, and he knows this guy. He knows me very well. So even though she's she's kind of using it now and showing how it it's working right now as a mouse, but it actually can work as a finger and a touch screen. It works on a joystick. It can do a lot of specific commands that you can you know implement that you want to do. Uh, we had a girl who was um, blind. And she couldn't see the, you know, uh, how to mark the letter, the words, and read it out. And kind of like uh, we gave her that in a band. Um, there are a lot of things out there that use an outside output, like voice and camera use and other devices with a dongle. Um, and all they require is a program installed on your device, which limits you to that device. And what we're trying to offer is something that'll fit all devices. So if you wake up and you're using your phone, then you go to work, or you want to work with your computer, you can switch between them, move from one to the other. It doesn't care if you're sitting down, walking, standing up. You can just, you know, you don't switch your finger when you want to use a different device. We want you to be able to do the same thing with this band. I asked them what their next steps are. Uh, 88.46% of, of our testers said they want one and would like to use it. Uh, we found out that most of them wanted it to use it for gaming as well. If you have a disability, one of the things that can happen is that now you can't really play with your friend, with your, your family. And a lot of people said, you know, just give me a way to play with my kids because I can't really do that right now. So it was kind of interesting. So we are ramping up to a beta and we're fundraising right now. Up until now, we've been bootstrapped, but now we, we've decided to take it to the next level kind of and, and expand. And that's the next year is, is to, to get the beta, get the money and get the sale and get this... Being, we want it to be used as as many people as we can. And the future looks like this, so we don't just want you to control your game on your phone, you can also control your quadcopter, pair into your VR, AR, that's kind of where we're going. We want to be able to open and you know every device to anyone who has motion. I think that's our bell, but I have one more question for you. The name, Six Degrees. Give me uh, 30 seconds on that name. Oh, uh, it, it, it started from the science behind what we were doing. Uh, six degrees is six degrees in motion. Any motion that you have is actually being read in, uh, we were reading it in six vectors, and uh, we kind of moved on with from there, but the name stuck. For more information, go to sixdegrees.org. That's the number six, sixdegrees.org. You're listening to an AMI Live special. This is Access Israel, making the business case for accessibility and inclusion. My name is Andy Frank. Elena Falcone of AMI and I were part of a journalist delegation that attended Access Israel's sixth annual convention in Tel Aviv, as well as related events. And as a result, we produced a number of YouTube and Facebook videos and four half-hour audio specials, including this one, where tech meets the body. In a previous episode, we introduced you to Dana Mann, the director of innovation at Aline Pediatric Rehabilitation Hospital in Jerusalem. We caught up with her at the convention and asked her about some of the work that has come out of the hospital. She reveals three remarkable ideas. Aline Hospital is world-renowned for its innovative approach both to rehabilitation and to developing equipment and products for the patients in the, in the facility. And so we're leveraging all that today, connecting it with the startup nation environment that Israel has become to uh, bring the innovation to children who are not in the hospital all over Israel and all over the world. Well, for example, one of the partnerships we did with entrepreneurs, a pair called Pablo Kaplan and Chava Rothstein, together we developed a wheelchair made out of plastic. It's known, it goes by the name of Wheelchairs of Hope, and it's designed for children in developing countries whom require 
use of a wheelchair but don't have access to one, these wheelchairs retail at under $100. And we've distributed thousands of them to children in 12 countries across four continents. And literally hundreds of children are today going to school for the first time in their lives thanks to this wheelchair. At the innovation space that we've established at Aline Hospital, we have two tracks of activity. One track of activity enables every child in Israel today, even if they're not currently patients at Aline, if they have a physical disability and face a challenge that can't be addressed by an off-the-shelf solution, they can come to Aline Hospital, and our team will invent a customized solution that will address that issue. Can you give me an example of that? That sounds absolutely fascinating. Sure. We had a uh, request from a teenager who... Um, when he lifts himself out of his wheelchair, he uh, is, moves around on a motorized wheelchair, and when he hangs out with his friends, he lifts himself out of the chair and sits on the couch or on the bed with his friends. Uh, the wheelchair stays next to him. He preferred for the wheelchair not to stay next to him. He's hanging out with his friends just like any other kid, but he's a teenager, and he doesn't want to have to ask someone every time, can you please wheel away my wheelchair? So we developed using 3D printing and with the um, partnership of other, of other volunteers um, a box that sits on the joystick of the wheelchair, connects via Bluetooth to his phone, and essentially it's valet parking. So he sits down on the couch with his friends, opens up an app on his phone, and uses the, um, the uh, remote, like a remote control car to drive his wheelchair to the side of the room. And when he's done, he calls it back to him. And so that's one example. I'll give you one more example. There is a kid at Aline, this adorable, I, think, I believe he's six years old, maybe he's a little older now, who has a, a great trouble eating because he can use a fork and lift uh, food, but he can't actually get the fork to his mouth. And we developed a rotating um, bowl that with one hand he can rotate the bowl so he can get to different parts of the different foods in front of him. And with the other, there's sort of a shovel that shovels the food uh, back and forth from the bowl to his mouth. Now, he was able to uh, have soup and pasta and a whole bunch of different types of food all by himself for the first time, in, I, I think, for, in his life. It was an incredibly empowering experience to see that happen. That was Dana Mann the Director of Innovation at Aline Pediatric Rehabilitation Hospital in Jerusalem. Finally, we met someone who was kind of a star at the conference, the Commissioner of the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities in New York City, Victor Kalise. Among the many things he did during Access Israel's event was a presentation at the convention. I, I presented here to talk about accessible smart cities. Technology could leave us behind if we're not smart enough. Old 1900s infrastructure has left us behind and people with disabilities are fighting that today. And as we build new technologies, we have to be cognizant that people with disabilities need to be involved in that. Technology needs to be created for us, with us. And it's important for us to talk about that and talk about how everything that's coming out from app-based stuff to wearable technology has to include people with disabilities. Victor makes his business case. So some of the work that I do is to really try to convince a lot of people or show people and show how economically uh, viable all these things are for people with disabilities. That It's really not a drain on society. It's, it's the opposite. People with disabilities have capital. They want to spend that capital. They want to ensure that it's part of, that they want to go into that store. Here's an argument, right? Let's make uh, your store accessible. People are saying, well, how much is that going to cost? Well, I'm going to put you back on there. Like, how much are you going to raise? There's 11% of the population of people with disabilities in New York City. You can increase your business by 15%. Why do I say 15%? Because you're looking at people with disabilities, you're looking at the aging population, and you're looking at the most coveted of all is parents with strollers. And everyone wants that access. And not to mention that your deliveries are going to be that much easier. <laughs> so it's about bringing the economic side to it and showing that it's possible. 
and leading by example, putting out guidelines that are really true uh, to accessibility, making sure that you're affecting government, making sure your elected officials understanding, using them as a way uh, to navigate policy. So thinking about new ideas, thinking differently outside the box, how can we use our public rights of way in a more efficient manner? And as we look at our cities and they start to change, more and more bicycles are there. How do we ensure that those bicycles are safe when people with visual disabilities are crossing the street? How do we ensure that we can leverage some of the technologies such as wearables, like our watches or wearables that are on our chests, that will allow that to notify a person with a disability and making sure those bikes are connected? Autonomous vehicles are going to change the way that the cities. Cities go, but they have to include people with disabilities, because if they don't, we're going to be left behind. And if we think about the Convention on Rights of People with Disabilities, it's no one's left behind. As you can tell, Victor has a passion for autonomous vehicles. I was at a conference, and I was moderating a panel. And we were talking about autonomous vehicles and all these safety issues. And a person got up and said, I'm willing to die for total independence. When the person says that, and having that autonomous vehicle be that shape, we have to ensure that accessibility is there. So autonomous vehicles certainly get me excited, but there's not many people that are thinking about it. And we're thinking about these single transports. Where if we do that with autonomous vehicles, that just puts us back to where we are, congestion and everything that's happened. They need to be multi-transport. People need to be able to get on. They need to be accessible for people with cognitive disabilities, people with visual disabilities, people with mobility disabilities and people with vision and hearing disabilities. It has to, and it can't. So I'm really excited about the possibilities of autonomous vehicles. I think it's on the horizon. That was the commissioner of the mayor's office for people with disabilities in New York City, Victor Kalise. We can all use leaders like Victor in all levels of government. Next time on Access Israel, making the business case for accessibility and inclusion, we'll focus on their advocacy work, and you'll hear from international journalists and what they took back home with them from the event. We'd like to thank the Embassy of Israel in Canada, Access Israel, Elena Falcone of AMI, and the rest of our touring delegation from all around the world. Remember, you can listen to all of these episodes on podcast at AMI Live Access Israel. Thank you for listening. My name is Andy Frank. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.
Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.